Thanks, Pastor Brad. You can be seated. Good morning, church. How are you doing? Wonderful to see you. And uh, the praise and worship was phenomenal this morning, wasn't it? So good and so exciting to hear about everything that's happening uh, in the life of the church. And I was super excited about your missions trip. And I was thinking, man, I'd love to go on that missions trip. I've never heard of a missions trip that went to Hamilton Island. And so that is just like my type of missions trip. Like, I would, that would be awesome, you know, because, you know, they're the up and outers. You know, they need Jesus too. And, um, and I went to, um, I actually went to Mauritius on a missions trip once. Um, and so that's my, sorry, Pastor Brad, what were you saying? Oh, um, oh, oh, okay. Just forget everything I just said. Um, yeah, maybe next year the Hamilton Island trip. Uh, yeah, 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 cyclone recovery. Um, that would be, that would be fantastic. <laughs> Pull some weeds out, that sort of thing. Sensational, awesome. Oh, well, that's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? And, um. Actually, Preachers 101, I actually knew that, just we needed a funny introduction. Um, <clears throat> if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20, uh, Acts chapter 20, going to be reading verse 35 uh, from the New King James Version. And um, before I uh, share, actually, uh, Pastor uh, Brad and Sarah, um, I, I just felt the Holy Spirit speak to me this morning and say, uh, onwards and upwards uh, for the life of this church. Onwards up, and I and I saw a picture of a rocket ship that had launched, and um, as as they're launched, when they hit a certain altitude, uh, they discard parts of the rocket. You know, so uh, there's a certain amount needed to lift off, and at each various stages, they shed a part so they can keep on going. I felt the Holy Spirit say that there's going to be some things that are going to be shedded that have uh, that can't be taken to the next level. Um, some things that were uh, necessary for liftoff for certain stages, but there are some things that are no longer necessary and certain limitations are going to be just taken away and it's onwards and upwards. It's, it's not meandering around in circles, uh, it's onwards and upwards. Acts, oh sorry, uh, Proverbs 15, I think it is, the way of life winds upward for the wise. And I heard the Holy Spirit say that uh, for the life of this church from now on, uh, continually, onwards uh, and upwards, and you're going to continually break previous barriers you were unable to break, break through. Uh, it's like when you train uh, fleas for a flea circus. Um, you put them in a shoebox, and then they bounce up and down, hit a certain level, and then you take the lid off, and they don't remove it because mentally they think this is how far. I felt the Holy Spirit say that uh, the lid is off, and uh, previous limits that you had previously tried to break through and get through in the life of this church, and it seemed like, oh, well, that's as far as we can go. Hold the heard the Holy Spirit say, no, that the lid's off, and it's just <clears throat> onwards and upwards. Amen? Uh, praise God. Uh, Acts chapter 20, uh, verse 35, uh, it says this, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak, Remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I'll read that again. It's, Apostle Paul's, um, it's a quote of the Apostle Paul. I've shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I just ask and pray that you would open our eyes, give us revelation, help us to see the supernatural season that we're about to embark on. Thank you and praise you for it, Lord. Jesus' name, amen. Uh, this is a, a famous uh, passage of Scripture in the Bible, and it's the Apostle Paul quoting the Lord Jesus. Interestingly, we don't actually see Jesus say this in the Gospels, but I think we can be rest assured that if Paul is saying that he said it, that he pretty well said it. And he said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Uh, it's actually a very famous phrase. I grew up in church, and you kind of hear it, you know, people say it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. But to be honest, I kind of misunderstood what it meant because I just, my correlation or understanding of the word blessing uh, was very ethereal. Uh, it was very much uh, more about feelings. And subconsciously, I kind of thought, oh, you know, it's a nicer feeling, you know, that blessing is a feeling. But I've learned that actually it's not necessarily a nicer feeling to give. Actually, to be honest, it feels a lot nicer <laughs> to receive. 
uh, amen. You know, we think a blessing is someone sneezes, oh, bless you, this out there kind of thing. And so, but actually, that's not what it means. Uh, the word blessing uh, is talking about specific, specific tangible outcomes. Uh, that when you're blessed, things actually happen. You can see them and perceive them. They come into your world. That's actually what blessing is. It's not something that's way out there. When God says, uh, when God blesses you, you can actually see things come to pass uh, in your life. So really, blessing is talking about specific tangible outcomes and consequences. Um, notice this too. Uh, it doesn't mean that it's there's something wrong with receiving. It doesn't say you're not blessed when you receive. Because, uh, you know, have you ever tried to give something to somebody and they've rejected it? And, and not because they didn't want it, but they just felt somehow that, you know, oh, you just really shouldn't do that. Uh, that like, no, there's no, when you receive, you are being blessed. But it's more blessed to give. So what that means is this, that when you give, you open up more consequences and outcomes into your world than by simply receiving. Receiving is a blessing, but it's more blessed to give. So when we give, when we have the opportunity to give, we're actually having the opportunity to be more blessed. Now, the scripture talks about a whole lot of different things that happen as a result of giving. And so I want to talk to you about a few of those today. Uh, A few things that can happen that the scripture indicates as a result of giving. Five uh, results of giving, five blessings of giving. And Pastor Brad, uh, in telling me and sharing with me that they're opening the um, annual giving uh, program, has asked me to talk on this topic. And, and it's something that I'm always, I'm, I'm very happy to do uh, and very and very passionate about. Uh, and so, because I've, I'm a big believer, the world tells you that when you give, you lose out. But that's not what the scripture says. Scripture says you're more blessed. And one of the greatest joys of my life is teaching people to give. And the motivation is to actually see them more blessed. I remember one time, uh, many years ago, about 15 years ago, uh, a young lady, I don't know why I'm saying this, but a young lady came up to me at a shopping centre and, uh, and she came up and she said, oh, hi, Ben. And she, she, oh, no, she goes, you Ben Nitoko? I said, yeah. And, uh, you know, I get it all the time. And, um, <laughs> and I thought, honestly, I thought she was going to tell me how awesome I was, you know. And, uh, and, and my senior pastor had... Um, asked me uh, to do a series on giving at our church many years ago. So I was doing a series a few weeks on it, um, you know, because it's one of the topics of the Bible you have to talk about. And she comes up, she goes, listen, I've been coming to church um, for a long time, and for the last few weeks you've been talking about giving. I said, yeah, that's right. And she goes, I just want to let you know I'm sick of it. And she goes, and she goes, I think everyone else is sick of it too. And so I'm just letting you know, I don't want to hear it anymore. I've had enough. And uh, I just want you to stop talking about it. And I was with a young guy having a pastoral care session with him in high school. He goes, when she leaves, he goes, whoa. <laughs> you know? And I was sitting there going, oh, praise the Lord. And, uh, and I thought about it. I thought, you know, um, you know, if I talk about this, sometimes people misunderstand you and that sort of thing. And I thought, you know what, maybe I won't talk about it anymore. Maybe I'll just let people just go off, do their own thing. They don't want to hear it. That's fine. Won't talk about it. And then I made the mistake of praying about it. And, 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 <laughs> and the Holy Spirit basically said to me, oh, so you don't want to talk about giving anymore or to protect your reputation. <laughs> and he said, so you basically want to protect your image more than you care about your people being blessed. You are shielding people from my blessing. And he said, so you need to love them more than you love your own reputation. And so I made a commitment. I said, you know what? I'm just going to keep talking about it. Uh, you know, not every week, but on occasion, a couple of times a year, um, because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Amen? And, uh, you know, I hear the occasional person who doesn't go to church say silly things like, all the church wants is your money. And the reality is that's not true. We want our people to be blessed. And the scripture says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Amen? And so I want to talk to you, uh, and uh, I might add that to that sermon from now on because that went pretty well. So um, (laughs) I'm just going to talk to you about a few things the Scripture says happens when we give. Amen? Uh, The first one uh, is prosperity. Prosperity. The Bible says, I'll read a few Scriptures to you, Proverbs 3, 9 to 10. 
uh, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Interesting, it says, then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Heard a lot of people say, I'll give when my barns are overflowing. But it doesn't say that. It says, then we give, then your barns will be overflowing. Vats will brim over with new wine. Luke 6.38, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room uh, to store it. Proverbs 11.25 puts it this way. A generous man will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I love that. Um, A generous man uh, will prosper. Uh, It doesn't say uh, the businessman will prosper. Doesn't say the son of a wealthy man will prosper. Doesn't say the professional sportsman will prosper. Doesn't say the man who marries Miley Cyrus will prosper. It doesn't say the man who wins lotto will prosper. It says the generous man will prosper. That means our prosperity is in our hands. Our prosperity is in our power. The gen- as we're generous, the Bible says, will prosper. Best gener- definition of prosperity in the Bible is 2 Corinthians 9.11. It says, uh, as you give, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That's a number of scriptures there. This is not one little little side kind of ad hoc, out of context, little theology we're talking about. This is a principle all through the scripture. And essentially what God's word says is this, that when we give to him, eventually, eventually, we will eventually get back uh, more than what we originally gave to him. Uh, That does not mean we never have a season of some kind of lack and that sort of thing. But in the long term, uh, you know, the psalmist says, uh, I've, you know, been, uh, you know, I was young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread in the street. Uh, And so what that is saying that is is that when we give eventually, uh, he will give back to us more than what we first gave uh, to him. So what that means is that sometimes... He actually asks us to give something that we're actually lacking in order to receive more. Um, they love the scripture in 1 Kings chapter 18. It talks about Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And basically, Elijah had challenged the prophets of Baal to a duel uh, to determine who was, uh, who served the true God. And he said to them, he said, listen, uh, let's, you know, kill, uh, let's kill a bull. Let's lay it on an altar, you know, get wood and that sort of thing. But we won't light it. And what we will do is we will call down fire from heaven. And the God who answers by fire, he is the true God. And so he allowed the prophets of Baal to go first. They established the altar and then all day they started calling down, trying to call down fire from heaven in the name of Baal. Didn't work because Baal's not real. And so they did that all day. And they were cutting themselves and that sort of thing. But eventually nothing happened. And so uh, towards, towards the evening, uh, Elijah said, okay, it's my turn. And so what he do- did, not only did he actually establish an altar, but he did something that was even more dramatic than what the prophets of Baal did. And he, uh, and he filled four big water pots with water and, per- and poured it onto the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Uh, Then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. Do it a third time. So 12 big pots of water they poured onto the altar. And the water ran down the altar. And then he called out fire from heaven and fire came and consumed it. Uh, Very dramatic. The interesting thing is this. At the time, they were in a massive drought. The drought was so bad, the Bible says there wasn't even any dew on the ground. So, so watch this. He establishes an altar. He wants to call down fire from heaven. And the thing he does is he gets them to bring the very thing that they didn't have. Twelve big water pots of water. There's hardly any water in the nation. And he calls that down, fire falls from heaven. And then later that day, the drought is broken. 
the very thing they needed was the very thing that they sacrificed to the Lord and God responded. Does that make sense? In the same way, it's like that when we give. When we give, very often the thing we need is the thing we have to give. One of the things I've learned over the years is this. If what I have in my hand is less than what I need, if I'm believing for a project or need some kind of breakthrough and what I have is less than what I need, I actually use it as seed and sow it, believing for a harvest later on. One of the things I've learned over the years is this, uh, I've learned this many times as well, that very often in the times when I've upped my giving, over time eventually the amount of receiving has increased as well. I learned this lesson many years ago. I remember when I was um, a, a youth pastor, and this was back in the days before you could, you know, you, you give by credit card or anything like that. And, and so I remember, I can't remember, my tithe was basically, I can't remember what it was, it's too embarrassing to say, but um, I, I just remember that I would go to the ATM before coming to church and I would pull out X amount of dollars. Now, technically, it was $5 more than the 10% that I needed to give. But I thought, oh, well, you know, I'll just, you know, add it. So I gave uh, that $5 more. And then within a few months, I got called in and said, listen, we're going to give you a pay rise. And, and I said, how much is that? And they said, oh, you're going to basically work out to 50 bucks a week extra. And so, I real, and so basically the, fi- the $5 extra I was giving, I received was tenfold. So I thought, there's something in this. <laughs> And so I learned, and it's not something you always want to say publicly, I learned not to tithe necessarily on just what I receive, but also what I actually need. And I've learned over the years, eventually, as you increase, as you give, God gives back to you in accordance to what we first sow. Amen? One of the promises in the scripture, one of the blessings the Bible talks about is prosperity. Uh, The second one, uh, second consequence of giving is actually increased faith. So what that means is very often our faith is increased as a result uh, of our giving. Malachi 3.10 says this, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Test me in this. So interesting. You know, when Jesus, before he started his ministry, he went out into the wilderness and he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. And Satan said to him, If you jump off this cliff... The Bible says that God will send his angels around about you and he won't let you die. And then Jesus said, the Bible says, don't put your Lord to the test. So what that means is we're not allowed to put the Lord to the test. You know, it's not like, well, God, if you're real, uh, if I jump off this building, uh, you'll save me. It's like the Bible says, don't put the Lord uh, to the test. However, God here says, actually, test me in this. The one area we can actually prove God is in the area of finances. He says, you can test me in this when it comes to giving. He said, see, if you do this, I will open the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing you can't contain it. And so what happens is this, very often our faith is enlarged and increased as we do that. I've seen people, the shackles have come off their life in the area of finance. Finance is such a bondage. For so many people. That's why Jesus says you can't serve God and money. He doesn't say you can't have God and money. He says you can't serve God and money. So what that means is this. He wants us to do what he wants us to do rather than us always doing what our money tells us to do. That is one of the reasons why we give because we prove his lordship. Before we give our money to landlord and MasterCard, we actually bring it to the Lord. Amen? And it breaks so many shackles off our life. I remember one time years ago, uh, I was running a conference and um, I, had, I had one of the guys uh, in the church come up and tell me this testimony. Uh, and basically what had happened was that we were going to take up what's called a breakthrough offering the last night of the conference. And in the afternoon, he and his wife, well, he felt God tell him to give an amount. Uh, and the amount was $50. And so he thought, man, my wife is not going to want me to give $50. Their finances were so tight. So he went and spoke to his wife. He said, babe, um, I felt God tell me we need to give in the breakthrough offering tonight. She goes, why? And he goes, well, because I just really felt God wanted me uh, to do that. And she goes, how much? 
He goes, 50 bucks. She goes, 50 bucks? That's a big chunk out of our grocery bill. We can't, that conference doesn't even need the money. What, we need the money more than that. Why do you want to give 50 bucks? He said, listen, I just felt God told me uh, to do that. And so she was so upset. Uh, she just walked out and went on a prayer walk. And she said, and she said, Lord, you know, you heard my husband, he's being irresponsible. We need that money. They don't need that money. That's part of our bills to pay. You know, I want to give that. And, and she felt the Holy Spirit speak to her and, say, and said, do what your husband says. Submit to him. She goes. So she comes home. She goes, prayed about it. God said, got to do what you tell me in this. You can do it, but I'm not happy about it. <laughs> and he said, thanks, honey. And so that night, he went and uh, he brought $50 and he gave it uh, in the offering. At the end of the service, another couple that they had never met before came up to them and said, God had put you on our hearts. We had seen you at this conference and we felt to give you this gift. So they gave them an envelope and in the envelope was $500. Funnily enough, I know the full story. The couple that had given the $500, they were the next day were going to Hamilton Island. And they, sorry, two days later, they're going to Hamilton Island. And they did not have, the, that was their spending money for their trip. Oh, Hamilton Island again. That was their... <laughs> That was a mission trip, yeah. And that was, their, that was their spending money for their holiday at Hamilton Island. And they felt God told them to give it to this lady. As they got, I know this for a fact, as they got onto the boat, to, before they got onto the boat, the ferry to go over to Hamilton Island, the person who took them there actually handed them a check. The check was $5,000. True story. Interestingly enough, they all reaped according to how much they sowed. They all received tenfold, but that was a previous point. And so, and so this lady who received the $500, she came up to me and she goes, Pastor Ben, you wouldn't believe it. And I said, oh, well, I bet I would. And so she said, <coughs> and I said, listen, that is such a great testimony. I said, how about tomorrow at church, would you be willing to give that testimony at the offering time? And she goes, and, and, and she goes okay, great. So the next day we we're about to receive the offering. I call her up to the stage. I said, listen, would you give this? this she's got this testimony. She gets up and, and I gave her the microphone. And she said, my husband came home, he wanted to give $50. I don't want to give $50. I went around and prayed about the Lord, said I got to sit with my husband. So she went and, gave the, went and gave the $50 and afterwards someone gave us $500. And everyone's going, ah! And I'm about to grab the mic off her. And she goes, <laughs> and now I know I can do anything God wants me to do. What had happened? Her faith had lifted as a result of her giving. Amen? That's one of the consequences and outcomes of generosity. We have increased faith. The third thing that can happen is unexpected miracles. What that means is that you can sow and give and actually receive a miracle that you didn't even know was coming your way. Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7, says, On that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said to God, You've shown great mercy to David, my father, made me king in this place. And he said, I ask you for wisdom and knowledge. And automatically, overnight, God gave him wisdom and knowledge. But because he asked for the right thing, he also made him incredibly wealthy and gave him peace and victory over his enemies. Uh, that's a miracle. Uh, that's a breakthrough. That's a pretty good night. <laughs> I remember reading that and thinking, That's not fair. Why did Solomon get that? You know, why did Solomon, all of a sudden, you know, imagine that. God's never done that to me. Ask me whatever you want. I'll give it to you. I remember thinking, what's so special about Solomon? And then I realized, it says in verse 7, on that night. It would have been different if it had said, one night, God appeared to Solomon and asked him, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. Then that would have meant that God did it sovereignly. It was a sovereign decision by God to just out of the blue just bless him. But it doesn't say one night. It doesn't say once upon a night. Because who knows it's not a fairy tale, it's the word of God. It actually happened, okay? It actually says that night. So what that means is this, basically, basic English. It means that God came to him that night because of something that happened that day. So let's look at the previous, word, at the previous verse. In the previous verse, 2 Chronicles 1 verse 6 
Solomon went up there to the bronze altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle meeting, and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. Now, that was not an offering for the forgiveness of sin. He's a king. He can't do that. That's a priest job. It was an actually an outstanding act of generosity. So God came to him that night and said to him, ask me whatever you want and I'll give it to you because of the thing that he did that day. Amen? That was, now Solomon did not know that was going to happen, but that was an unexpected miracle. There are times where as a result of being generous, just having it in your heart, you unlock a miracle and a breakthrough that you didn't even know was coming your way. Another passage of scripture, and it talks about a man by Cornelius, a man by the name of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. Bible said, I think I may have told you this story. Bible says that um, Cornelius was at home. He wasn't a Christian. He was what's called a God-fearer. He was a proselyte, so he would kind of converted to the Jewish faith. But he was at home, and, and uh, as he was praying, the angel Gabriel came and appeared before him and, um, and said, God has sent me here with a message for you. Once again, I remember thinking to myself, that's not fair. How come he got an angel? I mean, I've never seen an angel before. I did once and then I married her. But other than that... <laughs> still see her every day. <coughs> I've never received an angel. But then the angel actually tells him why God sent him. So the angel says to him, God has heard your prayers and seen your arms. Now, I remember thinking, great. So that means you've got to have big arms <laughs> if you're going to receive an angel. Just like Leroy. <laughs> you know, actually, uh, we understand that uh, Leroy was in hospital today, uh, this week, and he went to the doctor and said, Doc, I'm not feeling too good. And the doctor said to him, OK, well, let me take your blood pressure and whether it puts his arm up on the bench. The doctor says to him, I'm sorry, Laura, Leroy, we can't help you. Uh, you need to go see a vet. <laughs> and the doctor said, and Leroy said, why is that? The doctor said, because those puppies are fully sick. <laughs> um, that may or may not have happened. Um, <laughs> but actually the arms that it says in the scripture... It's not A-R-M-S, it's A-L-M-S. Acts of generosity to the poor. And then later on, he and his family got saved. They got the Apostle Peter. They got saved and they got filled with the Holy Spirit. And, that, and Cornelius did not know that was coming, but it was because of his prayers and his giving. That's what the angel said. There are times when we can receive unexpected miracles as a result of our giving. When I was a youth pastor, um, I used to allow... Um, you know, share the pulpit and allow my leaders to do things. And, and one of the things I would do was get them to share around a thought before we received an offering at youth. And so uh, I would put out a roster and send it out to them. And one of the ladies um, on my team, she was the oldest member of my team and she was not an upfront person. She did not like getting up in front of speaking, pe to, uh, uh, you know, and speaking to people. So, but I just put her on the roster thinking, you know, like if she doesn't really want to do it, she doesn't have to. But I thought I'd give her an opportunity. So sent the roster out. As soon as I sent the roster out, she gave me a call. She said, Pastor Ben, I need to come and see you. I said, no worries. Her name was Laura. And she came and saw me. And I said, Laura, what's wrong? And she said, well, you just sent out the roster, the preaching roster for the offering. I said, that's right. And she said, well, um, I, you've put me down to receive an offering. I said, that's right. She goes, I don't want to do it. Now, that didn't surprise me. Uh, and um, But I just thought I'd ask. I said, well, why don't you want to do it? And she said, well, the reason why I don't want to do it, because me and my husband, we don't tithe. Uh, and I feel like a hypocrite. Now, that really surprised me because she was a very mature Christian woman. She loved the Lord, great member of our team, but I was really surprised. And I said, well, why don't you tithe? And she said, well, the reason why we don't tithe is because we can't afford to tithe. I said, right. I said, what do you mean? She goes, our finances are so tight. She goes, we're not able to pay our bills. She said, when I go shopping, I have to go towards the, to the shop at the end of the day and get everything on special. And she said, I've got to go a few times a week whenever we get some kind of money and that's when I can afford to go shopping. And, um, and, she go, and, I, and she goes, we, our finances are so tight that the only money I could use to pay our tithe is coming out of our, our food bill. Uh, and she goes, and so if I don't tithe, if I tithe, then I risk my children not eating. So when she said that, I thought, oh, I don't want to be the kind of guy that tells someone their kids can't eat. And I said, I said but the scripture says uh, that when you tithe, 
uh, and then it releases a blessing that you can't contain. And I said, so I could give you a handout right now, but the key to your financial future is actually doing what the scripture says there. And I said, so th- I can feed you for a day, but the, the, the scripture says that when you do that, it's going to release more into your world. And she goes, listen, if I tithe, my kids may not eat. And then I thought, oh, then I remembered something. I said, hey, your husband, he smokes, doesn't he? As soon as I said that, I heard in the background, moo, a sacred cow. And then, um, <coughs> now, you need, you need to understand something. He had not been a Christian very long. He'd only been a Christian a couple of years. He'd been smoking all his life. I'm not saying he wasn't going to heaven. I'm not saying there's a smoking and non-smoking section in heaven, okay? Um, so I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to put anyone else down or belittle anybody or anything like that. And I said, but I, and, um, and he had had a dramatic change in his life. Um, and that's what he was genuinely a Christian. Uh, he just had this habit in his life that I don't think he really wanted anyway. And so, I, and so I said, so how much do you spend on cigarettes every week? She goes, we spend 50 bucks. I said, and this was like 14 years ago. I said, 50 bucks? I said, there's your tithe. Your husband's smoking it all the way. <laughs> and she said, and she goes, well, you don't understand. He's been smoking his entire adult life. She goes, in fact, I have to buy him cigarettes before I buy the food. I said, listen, I don't know what to say to you. I said, the Bible says it releases more of a blessing when you give. So I'm not saying your kids shouldn't eat, but maybe you should talk to your hubby about using some of his smoke money. So she goes home, sits him down. She goes, Rodney, our finances are a mess. Now I've gone and spoken to Pastor Ben. (laughs) And Pastor Ben said that we should start tithing. And I told him we don't have the money, but he said we should use your smoke money. And this is exactly what happened. He looked at her and he said, okay. And she told me, he said this. He said, I don't understand it, honey, but I trust you and I trust Pastor Ben. That's what he said. And and so the next week, instead of using the money for smokes, they brought it to church. Second week, third week. Then she who had been unemployed got a job. Then he got a pay rise. Then she got a pay rise. Then one by one, all their unemployed children, young adult children, all got jobs. Then, praise God, they all left home. (laughs) (laughs) Then they moved from a smaller rental to a bigger rental, closer to cities so they were using less fuel. Then they started trying to save up a deposit. Then they were able to pay all their bills. They didn't need to take a virtually take a calculator to the shopping centre or anything like that anymore. Then they started prospering. Then, uh, after that, they started trying to save a deposit on a house. Then, after that, she actually left the youth ministry, not because she was upset with me, but she wanted to work in the women's department. Every week at church, I had an usher, would, uh, an usher would come up to me, said, Pastor Ben, there's an envelope here with the word youth on it. And inside was always some cash. I found out after a while it was her. So not only was she, uh, was she starting to prosper a little bit more, then after that she actually started increasing in faith and then she started giving a little bit more as well. Oh, I forgot to say, he hadn't smoked another cigarette another day in his life. He could stand in a smoke-filled room and nothing. No patches, no gum. <laughs> completely delivered from that addiction. Why? When did it happen? After, the, after they started giving. Amen? They weren't expecting that miracle. But it was a miracle that they received. One of the miracles they received as a result of giving. One of the miracles that we can get is unexpected miracles. The fourth thing that can happen, the fourth blessing, is actually breakthrough. Now, I want to delineate the difference between breakthrough and unexpected miracles. Unexpected miracles are miracles you receive that you don't expect. You didn't know that they were coming. But a breakthrough is different. A breakthrough is something you're actually believing for. A breakthrough is something that you've set your faith towards and are actually believing it come to pass. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, he actually gives us three breakthrough principles, three habits that will actually help us to receive breakthroughs. Now, um, the reason why he's doing it is to teach, and this was all on the Sermon on the Mount, 
The reason why he's teaching it is to get them to practice their spiritual disciplines in private. Because back then, the Pharisees would do it in public to kind of show how spiritual they were. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 you don't have to do it for public acclamation. Do these private disciplines and they will still reap you a public reward. There's a correlation between the private discipline and a public result. So he says, when you pray, go into your room and pray. Your father who sees what you do in secret will reward you openly. So the private discipline of prayer will produce a public result. Has anyone here ever received a breakthrough as a result of prayer? You've prayed for something and you've received it. It's a miracle. Okay, awesome. Okay. Then he says this, which is not nice for us Islanders and, and Tongans. When you fast, <laughs> I must admit, when I read that, I thought he ain't talking to me. I'm thinking he's talking to skinny white girls. <laughs> right? Seriously. Have you ever met some people and they're like, you know, they get to lunchtime and, oh, I've forgotten to eat today. <laughs> that has never happened to me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but here's the thing. He says, when you fast, he's talking to everybody. I don't have time to unpack that, but fasting is a discipline that God wants all of us to participate in. Okay, when you fast. Has anyone here ever received a miracle as a result of fasting? Some of my biggest miracles have been a result of fasting. You know, there's a third discipline he talks about. Matthew 6, 3 and 4. When you give, your father who sees what you do in secret will reward you openly. So just like prayer can get us a breakthrough, just like fasting can get us a breakthrough, Jesus says giving can actually get us a breakthrough. There are times where God can tell us what to do. I preached to you two years ago about Elijah and the widow of Zarephath in 1 Kings chapter 17 where she, he actually tells her, if you give this amount to this place, if you bring that bread to me, then you're going to receive a miracle. He told her ahead of time that she would receive a miracle by using up her resource on him. That was a miracle. That, so God told her ahead of time. Have you ever heard people say things like, when you give, you shouldn't expect to receive anything in return? Uh, well, that lady did. God actually told her to do it. David, in order to stop a plague, actually had to make a sacrificial offering in order to stop the plague. That there are occasions, I'm not talking about every time we give, I'm not talking about twisting God's arm, but there are times in order to get the breakthrough that we desire, the step God requires us to take is to actually conduct an act of generosity. And that by doing that, that's actually the key to unlocking the breakthrough that he has for us. I remember one time I'm at a uh, at the seminar and at the end of the seminar we're about to receive an offering and so in my you know I've got the credit card slip out and in my mind my typical offering to give as a you know as like a kind of like a tip I guess but 20 bucks you know so I was going to write 20 bucks and just throw it in as I was about to do that the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said uh, how big do you want your youth group to be now earlier in the year the Lord had spoken to me and said our youth group was going to double double we're going to have a youth group of 250 in our youth group which is a big deal because our church was only getting 300 on a Sunday. And so I'm like, okay, I'm believing for 250. And he said, well, I'm like, oh, okay. So I put 250 on it. And then he says, put a zero on it. <laughs> Before or after the decimal point. Uh, <laughs> and he said, Before. I'm like, oh, 2,500. But it was so clear. It was not like a natural thought. It's not something I think very often. <laughs> and I thought, so I put that and sewed it. And, and within six months, our youth ministry had... And that one of the reasons why I believe is that God first told me to sow a seed in order to receive a miracle and a breakthrough. I told you last year, about the time when God spoke to me and my wife about sowing seed, believing for a house. Absolutely impossible. It was a specific amount, $2,150. I actually received actually a testimony just this week from a pastor friend of mine up at a town called Tannum Sands up in a bit north of here. And, and he said to me that 
because I was asked to preach on this topic at their church and the week before I went there, he was believing for a house and he felt the Holy Spirit say to him, so $2,150. And I get up and I'm preaching. I said, God told me 15 years ago to so 2000 And he's like, oh, it must be God. And they did that and they got this miracle property. He just sent me the message. They said this miracle property well under what it was worth, so so much more equity in it and that sort of thing. It was an absolute miracle. It was not something that was possible. He and his wife, their jobs, they worked part-time at a small local church and yet they were able to receive this breakthrough and this miracle. Make no mistake, sometimes, sometimes a mechanism by which God gets us a breakthrough is actually generosity. And for some people here, I'm not saying it's for everybody, but for some people here, and you can sense it in your heart, This next season for you is actually going to be a breakthrough season. That God is speaking to you about giving a specific amount in order to support what is happening and God is already telling you, you can actually believe for this to come to pass in your life. Breakthrough is one of the outcomes that can happen as a result of giving. And the last thing uh, is this. It plants your heart in the kingdom of God. Giving plants our heart in the kingdom of God. Bible says in Matthew 6, 19 and 21, Jesus says, Don't lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then Mark 10, 21 says this, Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, One thing you'll lack, go, sell, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross and follow me. So Jesus says that when we give, we get treasure in heaven. But he also says, put treasure in heaven for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, we understand that if you have a heart for something, you would naturally give towards it. If you have a heart for, you know, if you're a follower of the Brisbane Broncos... And uh, you will naturally, uh, you might naturally spend money towards that to go and watch them play. We know that with our children, that we will naturally want to, because our heart is there, we will naturally want to give to them. But Jesus is not saying that. He is not saying our treasure follows our heart. He says our heart follows our treasure. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be, also it's a concept of vested interest what that means is this where you put your money you now have a vested interest in it your heart follows it your heart follows your treasure some of you have an interest in companies previously you could not care about why because you went on the stock exchange you put some money on them now you care about them some people here there's some countries you have a heart for after you got a compassion kid you put your money there, then your heart actually follows your treasure. Um, That is why God wants us to give to him. Because more important than our treasure is our heart. And our heart follows our treasure. When I was a youth pastor, there was a lot of youth groups that did not get their young people to give. They would say, oh, you don't have to give. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make much of a difference. I made it mandatory that we would do an offering at youth every week. And the offering wasn't always very big. Sometimes it was big, but often it wasn't. But that wasn't the point. Because I wanted my young people to have a heart after God. And one of the things they can do is give towards it. Think about all the different spiritual disciplines that we have. They're multifaceted. When you pray, you can receive a result and a breakthrough. It pleases God, but our heart is drawn towards him. When we praise, it's the same thing. We praise him and he's worthy of it and he deserves it, but our heart is drawn towards him as well. It's the same with giving. Wherever we put it, then our heart will follow. And that is one of the reasons why God... God, The Bible says God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He can produce money from anywhere. It's not hard for him. Jesus went fishing and got gold from a fish's mouth. You know what I'm saying? But why does he choose for one of the ways for his kingdom to advance is for his people to actually support it and push towards it because he knows that where we put our treasure, then our heart will follow. Amen? Um, I'm not a gambler. 
<laughs> I've got to say that to preface what I'm about to say. So I'm not a gambler, but I'll be honest with you. There are times I'm a big sports fan. And there are times I, don't, I do like watching the horse racing, especially at the spring carnivals and that sort of thing. Now, I don't, I don't bet on them or anything like that. I'm not encourage it, you know. But th- I must admit, sometimes I get taken up, especially if there's a champion horse and that sort of thing. And I remember back in 2005, the champion horse at the time was a horse called Maccabi Diva. And I remember especially in 2005, the spring carnival, um, you know, she just overtook the whole thing. I mean, she had won two Melbourne Cups, they were hoping she was going to run for a third to win three in a row. Absolutely thought could not be done, not possible. And I saw her, and, and she ran in the Cox Plate, uh, one of the major horse races in Australia, a couple of weeks before, and she won that easily. So after that, there's just this anticipation in the media about Maccabi Diva. Uh, she was on the news every day. Is she going to run or not? The weekend before the Melbourne Cup, the owner comes out, comes out and he says, Maccabi Diva is going to run in the Melbourne Cup. Well, there was just rejoicing in the streets. On the first Tuesday in November, they run the Melbourne Cup, and honestly, the Melbourne Cup was overrun by what they call diva fever. I mean, people were walking around with masks, the colours of Maccabi Diva's racing colours. Um, they were even playing this song, an Elvis song, uh, which, you know, is hurtful to me because as an island, we love Elvis, but um, <coughs> every islander has an uncle that looks like Elvis, okay? <laughs> Amen. It's now or never. And so... And they changed the words of the song from uh, Viva Las Vegas to Diva's the Greatest, you know, and they were playing that the whole day. And anyway, the race is run and you could just hear the noise through the television. People were going crazy. And then come to the last turn, Maccabi Diva breaks from the pack and the noise just goes to another level. And then as she crosses the finishing line, she wins quite easily. The race caller says, you know, now the champion has become a legend. Afterwards, they interview the owner. The owner is ecstatic. And he says, Maccabi Diva, the people love Maccabi Diva. She's the people's horse. Maccabi Diva's the people's horse. The people love Maccabi Diva. Do you want to know why people love Maccabi Diva? They put their money on the horse. The horse wins. Now they like the horse. (laughs) Their heart follows their treasure. And one of the ways we keep our heart in the kingdom of God and in the local church. You know, the Bible says that when we give to a local church, there's going to be meat in his house. Who's that for? It's for us. And I'll I'll give a little side note on tithing as a little freebie, but Because the Bible says that when we tithe, we bring it to the storehouse, the place where we're fed. And I know a lot of people say, they, yeah, I tithe, I give to that mission or I give to that charity. But we've got to bring it to the right place. Do we support all those things? Of course. But the Bible says that the tithe comes to the local house first. And when we take what the Bible says should come here and give it somewhere else, it's the same as going to a food court, going to KFC... You Islanders know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Us. You go to KFC, take the bucket of chicken, $9 on a Tuesday for a piece of pack of nine, and then say thanks and walk over to McDonald's and pay them. <laughs> oh, I've paid the same amount, but I went to the wrong place. Go to the place where we're fed. Amen? And the scripture says, that was free, that was on the side. The scripture says our heart follows our treasure. And more important than your treasure is your heart. Amen? The Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And some of the things that happen, scripture says that we can prosper. Scripture says that our faith can be elevated. Scripture says we can receive unexpected miracles. Scripture says we can receive some breakthroughs. And Jesus says that wherever you put your treasure, there your heart will be also. Amen? I'm excited and believe that for some, this could be a significant time of breakthrough for some people's lives. You can think about it. This is not coercion or anything like that. And it's not even equal giving. It's just equal sacrifice. Whatever the Lord speaks to you, then be obedient to him. Amen? You don't, uh, and, and, and he will do that.
and it'll be something that he drops in your heart. Amen? I just want to pray for you. This is not really an altar call kind of message. Although having said that, if you are here and you don't know the Lord and you've heard the lie where it says, all the church wants is your money, that's not true. But occasionally we have to talk about it because the kingdom concept of giving is different from the world. And if we're going to be true disciples of Jesus, we've got to think like how the kingdom thinks. And one of those topics, not the only one, but one of those topics is giving. And if you hear nothing else today and you don't know the Lord, I want to let you know, more important than your treasure, you cannot buy your way into heaven. More important than your treasure is your heart. Jesus died for a relationship with you, for your heart, not your treasure. That's just one of the disciplines of the Christian life. And maybe you're here and you don't know the Lord. The whole reason he died on the cross was for your heart so that you could have a relationship with him. So can I just ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment? And Maybe you're here and you're saying, Ben, um, <clears throat> that's me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a Christian. I've come in here today. I don't have a relationship with God. And, and, and I would like to today. Um, if that is you, right where you are, slip up your hand and say, that's me this morning. I want to give God my heart. I want to follow him. I want him to cleanse me from my sin. I want to be made right with God so that I know that after I die, I'm going to heaven. I want to have a relationship with him so that I can access the, the life and the destiny that he purchased for me on the cross. So if that is you right where you are, you're saying, I want to give my life, give my heart to Christ today. With every eye closed and every head bowed. If that is you, slip up your hand and say, that's me. That's me. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to have a relationship with God. I want to give my heart to him. Secondly, church, maybe you're here. And as I was speaking, God was speaking to you about this next season being a breakthrough. This is going to be a breakthrough giving time for you. You sensed it. Like when I was preaching, it was like a leap in your heart, a leap in your spirit. If that is you, right where you are, slip up your hand and say, that's me. I actually think this one, this next one's a breakthrough one for me, I think. Uh, it's not always every time for everyone, but every time there is somebody. Father, for these people with their hands raised, I just ask and pray that you make the way for them to be obedient to you in this area, Lord, uh, and that they would give what you're putting on their heart to give. And I thank you ahead of time for the breakthrough that they're believing for. I thank you, Lord God, for something that you're going to release into their world as a result of this. I thank you also, too, for those that aren't really expecting anything but don't realise they're positioning themselves for an unexpected miracle. And I thank you for that as well, Lord, because you're going to get all the glory. I thank you and praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Just before I hand over, for the people who this is what's called, you feel like you're going to, this is a breakthrough time for you, the way you'll know is that you will not be able to shake the amount the Lord wants you to give. You'll just know. You won't be able to shake it. There'll be, there'll be times when it's like, oh, I don't want to do that. And then Pink, you thought, no, I need to. You, you won't be able to shake it. You will know. And so, uh, and so I want to encourage you um, just to be obedient to God. And I just know, as the scripture says, you're going to be more blessed. Amen? You're already blessed, but you're going to be more blessed. Praise God. Thank you, church. You're awesome.